If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open your Bible up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, we've got some that are under the chairs. You can grab one of those black Bibles and turn to page 1084. It's 1000. Wait, no, that's the wrong one. That's my Bible. Anybody know? Where is it? I keep forgetting. 968. Okay, 968. I used to have a Bible that matched, and then I stopped being able to see, and I had to get a bigger Bible, so, so disappointing. All right, 968, so 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're continuing our partnership series, and first of all, I want to say thank you to Stephen and Tunis, who preached for us last week. I was uh, helping my son get moved into a new place in Memphis, uh, so it was great to get to see him, hadn't seen him in a while, uh, so thank you. Heard the recordings, they did a great job. In this series, we've been looking at just different glimpses throughout the New Testament, of what it means for a community of believers in a local church to partner together in pursuit of Jesus and doing his work in our community. Uh, So there's different images we've talked about, uh, the image of being members of each other, right? Like we belong to each other. There's often the image of one body with different parts, like one of us is a thumb and one of us is an elbow and we all work together to be the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Jesus in this world to do his work. Um, The other image is family. We're we're brothers and sisters, and we're working together in the same family. That's another big New Testament image. And the big overarching term we've been using is partnership, which is often like a business partnership or people helping each other out. It's saying we're going to be on the same team. We're trying to accomplish the same mission. This week, we're going to talk about money. So isn't that exciting? Aren't you glad you came today? Woo, yeah. And so we're calling it Partners in Giving. Um, And I just want to kind of uh, give you a little assurance before we get started. I think some people, knowing that we had an informal membership program before, and now we're moving towards a formal membership where we actually say, sign on the dotted line, I want to be a partner with Grace Bible Church. That's kind of where we're headed in a few weeks. That's made some people nervous, right? I think people that came from traditional churches and had good experiences are like, yeah, no big deal. I'm cool with it. Uh, Those of you that are from a non-Christian background, you're kind of like, yeah, whatever. If it's in the Bible, I'm fine. But some of you have come from a church background where you've been hurt by controlling churches, right? And so for some of you, anything that looks more formal or more institutional is kind of scary. And one of the areas where a lot of churches have hurt people by being overly institutional is in the area of giving, right? So a lot of you might be expecting me to say, hey, you all need to sign on the dotted line to give a certain amount or we'll revoke your membership and you won't get your special parking place anymore, right? Sadly, that's how some churches operate. And I just want to let you know, we're not going to do that here. So for us, partnership, when you sign on the dotted line, when we produce forms in a few weeks for people and say, hey, do you want to join us in this? What we're saying is, you agree that you believe in Jesus, you've been to our church, you've read our constitution, and you say, I want to be a Jesus follower with you at this church. That's what you're saying. You're just saying, I want to follow Jesus with you here. I'm not perfect. I don't do everything perfect in my life but I'm a repenter, right? I'm trying to turn from sin. I'm trying to walk with Jesus. We all have to grow in different areas of our life, but that's what we're headed towards, saying we're not perfect yet, but we're trying to walk with Jesus in faithfulness. So we've all got different areas to work on. For some of us, we need to get better at giving. For others of us, we need to start reading our Bible, right? For some of us, we just need to be nice to our neighbors. We need to start learning how to love people better. There's different areas for all of us that we need to work on. So for some of you, this might be an area of strength. For some of you, it might be an area of weakness. Uh, We'll look at Paul's uh, teaching in 2 Corinthians 9, and what I want to do is give you a little background from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, This teaching is based on Paul gathering money from different churches to help the poor, struggling Christians in Jerusalem. So if you know the story a little bit, you can catch up on the story in the book of Acts. 
the Christians all started in Jerusalem, right? It was a Jewish movement. Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem. He was the Jewish Messiah. But then this movement spread to all tongues and tribes. And so here we are. We're believers in Jesus, but we come from all these different ethnic backgrounds, all these different tribes, all these different nations. So that was just beginning to explode, just beginning to happen during this time. And so what's really interesting is these hard times came on Jerusalem. There was persecution against the Christians. There was famine there locally. So there are all kinds of stresses that were coming against the Christians in Jerusalem where they were really hurting. And so these Jewish Christians who had a tendency to sometimes feel like they were better than the Greek Christians, all of a sudden now they needed the help of the Greek Christians. So in God's providence, Paul is leading these Greeks to Jesus and then giving them an opportunity to give to support the poor Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. So I hope you see how just the providence of that historical situation was an interesting thing God did to knit the church together, this multi-tribe church. And so the story in in chapter 8 that we're not going to read, but I'm just going to tell you, is that in chapter 8, Paul is saying the northern Greeks were very poor and they gave a ton of money. And it's because of God's grace in their life. So now Corinth, Corinth is in southern Greece, and it's a very rich city. And Paul is saying, so hey, you rich Greeks, I expect more from you. Because these poor Greeks gave a ton. That was God's grace at work in their life. They gave a ton of money to support these Jewish Christians. Now, you southern Greeks, you rich Greeks in Achaia, we expect you to give as well. Follow the model of the poor Greeks in Macedonia, right? So we're going to pick up the story here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul says, now it's superfluous, kind of unnecessary for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, the northern Greeks, saying that Achaia in southern Greece has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for the gift that you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift and not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely, he is given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution, excuse me, contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Paul's talking about money and he ends with, you know what? Thank God. He's the one that gives the ultimate gift. I'm asking you for a gift, but we're going to give thanks to God as the ultimate gift giver. 
So let me pray for us. I'm going to ask the Lord to help us to understand what he's saying to us here, uh, to teach us. Money's a tough subject for a lot of us. I, I would just confess to you, this is an area in my Christian growth where I've struggled a lot. I am by nature a disorganized person, right? So over the years, I've gone and sought help of other people who can do things like uh, use spreadsheets to help me plan a budget, right? Some of you are good at that. Um, and so I'm preaching to you as I'm preaching to myself. This is an area where I need to grow, where I need to grow in believing that God is sufficient so that I can become a more generous person. So I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to help us uh, with this. God, we thank you that you love us, and we come to you in trust. We come to you approaching you as a good God who's shown grace to us, who's shown kindness to us, and we pray that that would then bear fruit in us being a generous people. And so, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts, you'd help us